when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello, it's the The One Show Show. I am John Holmes, and this is part two of this week's edition, which will pick up momentarily and, in all honesty, disjointedly, where part one of this episode left off. If you haven't heard part one, as we say, why not go back so that this part two makes sense? Why not subscribe and rate and review? But we only accept five-star ones. Picking up exactly where we left off yesterday, this is the The One Show Show. The guests on the mouldy sofas this week, Mark Haynes and Rosie Holt. Um, but Rob Lowe, they said, okay, so ask Rob Lowe anything. Mm. And obviously that's, you go, mm-hmm, probably not. But they then had a conversation about what you could ask or not, because it's a family show. Yeah. yeah. I thought Alex was really good in this bit. She was. I thought she was she really was. funny. She was great. She was grading about what level of answers they could have and yeah. stuff. I know, you know, people say this is Stockholm Syndrome, but I actually, I've found every show I've watched her on, she's actually been funny. This this means nothing to you yeah. because you've only seen her briefly and you go, she seems to be mentally retarded. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you're being offensive now. I don't think you can say that. <laughs> no, Mark, all Welsh people aren't mentally retarded. What are you saying? <laughs> I just think she looks very unhappy. <laughs> well, Matt, is the, she, she's got the naughty thing about her, but Matt always squashes it down, doesn't he? He's the one mm. sort of going, no, no, it can't do it, no. Yeah, oh, he really squashed her when... uh, Did you see... Carrie Carrie Grant is back with another in her series of profiles about bands that you didn't like at the time and don't like now. Yes. Do you remember this? We've seen ones on Katie Tunstall and UB40. That's right. Oh, and Jesus Jones. And Jesus Jones. uh, Absolutely attached to nothing in the news or contemporary culture. But she did The Alarm this week. 1981 punk band from Rill. I will admit already... I knew you'd love that song. I knew I lo- it. Don't love just song. I love the alarm. Oh, really? I have seen them live uh, countless times. I am amazed. I interviewed Mike Peters from the alarm only two weeks ago. Did you? No yes, way. I did. Because they were wasted on that redheaded lady. Yes, she they were. So bored. <laughs> I love the alarm. She wanted to get out of that camp. One of my earliest gigs at the Birmingham Hummingbird. I was. Do you know what? Do you know oh, what yeah. the funny thing is, John? I was watching that and I was thinking, "68 Guns" was their big song, what and a I thought, song. "I barely even know that song," and I thought, "I know." If I say to John, that is an obscure band, that John, undoubtedly, The Alarm will be one of his favourite bands. Absolutely right. Amazing. Did you ever do what Alex did to them? No. (laughs) This was a great moment. That was a really interesting one because Mm. I thought, oh, she's is she a bitch yeah. because Matt Baker was like typical Alex wasn't he <laughs> brilliant brilliant story of the song uh, earlier on today 
Alex told us a brilliant story, right, about yes. when she was a runner working yeah. for a production I, I company. Yeah, I met All Mike. about the... Hang on, hang on. Sorry, I'll tell you what. Go on. Actually, let's hear it from... Oh, get let's off. hear it from Mike. <laughs> go on. So explain, um, Rosie, what happened. Um, oh, oh, I can't remember. She, she like asked them to fix the lights or something no, she? No, no, close <laughs> it was she was working as a runner at a TV yeah. well she was wanting to tell the story didn't she and yeah. Matt wouldn't let her well they threw to uh, the chap from the alarm Mike Mike Peters Mike Peters <laughs> oh god uh, the guitarist was called Twist I've written, <laughs> I've written loads of mean things about them that I'm not going to say <laughs> no, now it's fine I'll defend them Alex Jones, the BBC One presenter, uh, I, she was working for a television company in South Wales at one point, and she thought Mike Peters from the Alarm had come to fix the alarm in the building, so I was led to the, uh, the, the covers where the alarm were fitted and told to fix them. That's amazing. Classic Jones. Classic Jones. Oh, he's so nice, Mike. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> 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 but he took all that in good grace because he's lovely he did they did seem nice and actually Gaz Top was their guitar roadie yeah so you sort of got the impression Gaz Top seems like a nice guy it was uh, you know they did seem nice it was but you're absolutely say... right no you can you can say what you like but you're absolutely right it was an utterly pointless film yeah. about a band you've mostly forgotten unless you're me yeah and uh, they did that thing of making him awkwardly perform on a guitar, uh, in this instance, not in a skate park like Jesus Jones had to do, no. but in front of a lifeboat yeah. on Rill Harbour. And, there front, was and Mike, a Ford Cortina. They were very keen on the Ford Cortina. Because, well, here's what I learned this week. So mm. we like to bring in the feature of what did you learn? Did you learn anything from yeah. the one show this week? And I learned that the song, the seminal classic, 68 Guns, was written because they used to take the piss out of The Clash and I Fought the Law that they used to play on the cassette machine in the Cortina because there's a line in I Fought the Law that talks about the six guns and then there's six drum beats right um, in the song and they said ha, and they used to make jokes about how many guns you could fit in a song and they got up to 68 and went actually there might be a song in this are you trying out for a podcast with Mojo Magazine yes I am <laughs> <laughs> A little bit happened here as well when they're asking the questions to Rob Lowe. They said, oh, well, Theresa May is going to be doing uh, her Brexit thing. And Rob Lowe went, oh, I can guarantee that my answers will be better than Theresa May's. And Alex just went, oh, you can bet on that. <laughs> <laughs> Settle down, Trotsky. Um, anyway, Theresa May is on tour answering questions too. Uh, the Prime Minister was selling her... Here's one thing I know. Deal. Go on. My answers are going to be more exciting than hers. <laughs> wow. I think we can bet oh, on that. Yeah, OK, we'll go with that. She's been selling her... Brexit. And then we got more one show Brexit propaganda. Yeah. That they've been creeping in over the weeks. Again, as a video, this was boring, but it was so frightening, I cannot tell you. I cannot tell you. This was the one about the huge freezer depots. Oh, do you know what the problem is? It was really a bit like Brexit itself. It was probably important, but so boring. (laughs) That's very true. I was like, I can't concentrate. I don't know what's going on. I get the impression it's vaguely important. (laughs) There was handbrake turn land here as yeah. well where they went from Rob Lowe's anecdote I think about Liza Minnelli in a bathrobe yes yeah. and then yeah. they, they did that well he's on tour and so is Theresa yeah. May Liza Minnelli is actually in cryogenic storage in that Welsh place <laughs> well, that was like Indiana Jones wasn't it at the end of Indiana Jones <laughs> yes, you know, storage I like that again when they do stuff where they've got the, the sound and the timbre of a clever joke and it's not anything so the guys sort of went here we've got 15 floors of ice cream chips and of course mm. Yorkshire puddings. <laughs> In this giant freezer, we've got 15 floors of ice cream, chips, and of course, Yorkshire puddings. 
What? That's not a thing. I spent. <laughs> <laughs> this is Aunt Bessie stapled to the wall, <laughs> like like Han Solo in a frozen in carbonite. This is Aunt Bessie. She invented your chips. Why haven't they done that yet? An Aunt Bessie thing, where she's in that carbonite thing, but it's made of Yorkshire, Yorkshire pudding. pudding. I'd eat a Yorkshire pudding. I had to eat my, eat my way out of. That'd be fucking thrilling. The bloke said as well while they were talking to him. He said, "Well, I think what people are concerned about with Brexit," he said, "is flour." They're concerned about flour and they're concerned about juices. It's not the first thing we're thinking of no. when it comes to Brexit, is it? And the presenter who ended it, he just went, I mean, the list of things that are going to be affected is endless. Endless! <laughs> it was a big warehouse. What the fuck? <laughs> What's happening? More than Yorkshire pudding? <laughs> oh. And there was... But I spent the first minute of this, right, because before they got into the warehouse, there were lots of exterior mm. shots of this big space. So it was all about stockpiling food in the event of Brexit, right? But I misheard the beginning of the film and I thought they said coal storage not cold storage <laughs> I was like but we don't use coal much anymore why are they storing oh, coal we will <laughs> we fucking will and I was thinking my god this is going to be revelatory <laughs> yeah. if you have one piece of coal this time next year you will be Britain's richest man <laughs> <laughs> oh god and then, but then it came out of the film of course to the, the confused face of Rob Lowe and he was like wow this programme yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and then we sort of yeah, this, is, yeah, this is what this is and how it like, and now we're going to show you a peacock film <laughs> <laughs> well that was another great handbrake turn where they were talking to him again about it, the questions you can ask at his live show they talked about his first date that he had with Cary Grant not that one yeah, uh, not not Cary Grant. Yeah. No, no, the talented Cary Grant. That's his, him. You his might daughter. want to say yeah. his daughter. They had that thing on the board with all the different celebrities, and they were like, "Choose one, Rob." And then he chose that one. They were like, "Okay, don't choose any more." <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, and then Matt said, "If I can just guide you towards yeah. my prepared bit of, of information I've got about <laughs> it." There were six of them there. Now I could have read the six anecdotes, but I haven't. I've only <laughs> read one about the following: Pick Liza Minnelli. Can I guide you towards Charlie? These Sheen? these funny things he was talking about a show he's doing isn't he it's like a Q&A yeah yeah I mean, he's, he seems like a nice guy. I wrote, Rob Lowe is great. Yeah. He yeah, came he across really, really, really well. He's really, really nice. He's a really good sport, especially with the embarrassing saxophone thing. Oh, oh God. God. That yeah, was oh. so <laughs> You know, if Rob Lowe wasn't handsome, oh, you'd go, he's the most embarrassing man on uh, earth. No, but it wasn't his fault. They it like, started without him and he went, oh, okay. <laughs> and then, oh, and then it like... Talk us through it from the beginning, oh, Roger. I think this needs, for those who haven't seen it, which is everyone listening to this, yeah. uh, what happened? Yeah, so Matt Baker was like, oh, and also, you're very good at faking playing instruments or something, which was really random. Now, we hear of that you are one of the best fake musicians in Hollywood, if not the world. Yeah, as an actor, you you have to learn so many things, but you're not any good at them, you just fake them. You know what I mean? I'm not going to be an astronaut, I'm going to fake astronaut or whatever. (laughs) So, yeah, I can fake play the hell out of a saxophone. He did it in front of the president, in front of Bill Clinton, and he was like, oh yeah, and he kind of launched into this anecdote, and he was very excited about this anecdote. And then they were like, great, here's a saxophone, let's see you in action. So they awkwardly played in the love theme from St. Elmo's Fire. Yeah. In front of a picture of himself from the 80s. It was horrible. In front of 1980s Rob Lowe, let's give it up for 2018 Rob Lowe not playing the saxophone. (laughs) Right now, accompanied by 1980s Rob Lowe, let's give it up for 2018 Rob Lowe not playing the saxophone. (laughs) 
It's like a fucking art piece, that line. Then, it's like an installation. But that played them out of the show. Rob Lowe on his knees in front of an old lady. <laughs> giving it. Which, which makes a change, given that video. <laughs> <laughs> giving it. Let, let's not do him down. Giving it 180 fucking percent. Absolutely He right. was doing this. I mean, if it was going to work, which it didn't. <laughs> that would have made it work. I thought it was really sad. It was like somebody at the, you know, the end of their career. It was a sad you're going, Why are we yeah. all witnessing this? <laughs> and then they just wheeled out this old lady who was just sat there and he was sort of playing tennis. She was loving it. Oh, she loved nice. it. Yeah. I thought maybe she'd won a competition or something. <laughs> <laughs> what, the prize was to watch Rob Lowe on his knees miming the love theme from St. Elmo's She really Fire. happy. Oh, I, th- I think there'd be something good about if the cameras had stopped rolling and they've sort of humiliated him like that and Matt just sauntering over and going now shove that fucking saxophone down your throat no, I'm, I'm not going to do that shove it shove it down your throat force it down your throat no I'm not going to do it do it there was a, but, the, but the fact that he played along well yeah, done Rob Lowe he was yeah. really, mo- was really nice. imagine asking Robert De Niro to do that or somebody oh, can you imagine you know, and it was all based well, on Sean this- Penn <laughs> oh god actually I'd pay to see that oh, I'd, I'd do it so you just flicked on at quarter past you turn on BBC One and there's Matt holding his eye who <laughs> <laughs> is Sean Penn saying ask me another one <laughs> Go on, try your luck. Ask me another one. Huh? <laughs> Would it you was... be able to? I can't hear you. <laughs> it was so weird. Was and the, really but weird. the fact that it was all based on a flimsy anecdote of when he had to pretend to play the saxophone in front of Bill Clinton to the love theme from St. Elmo's Fire. But Bill Clinton genuinely believed he was playing the saxophone and Rob Lowe had to go along with it. Mm. So they thought they'd recreate this massive awkward moment. But you did this in a steamed company. Am I right? We're talking the president. Yeah. The United States. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I did. They played St. Elmo's Fire at a at a, um, a fundraiser for President Clinton back in the day, yeah. and we thought it would be fun that I would get up and, as a goof, do this, and I did it. And then I realized everybody thought it was real. <laughs> and then, and then my, and then my actor's ego got involved. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, "Oh, well, I'm not going to fake it now. I'm going to let them think I'm a genius." <laughs> and, and so I just finished it like I was a stud. And it was like, "What?" President Clinton was like, "Oh my God, that's the best!" <laughs> oh my God! And 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 then of course I was mortified, figuring one day he would find out I was joking, and it became a shame spiral. It was bad, but yeah, um, best not anyway, to mention it. My handbrake turn of the week, where they lurch uncontrollably from one thing to another where they were talking to Rob Lowe about his Charlie Sheen anecdote and everything else came when they uh, they got a picture of him from the 80, from St Elmo's Fire with big old hair yeah. you know that sort of Bon Jovi-esque producted 80s big hair mm. and they sort of said uh, oh Rob now you're they all laughed at it obviously you're going to love this next film uh, it's about bird plumages <laughs> no that was this I mean, film that was so embarrassing this film that was <laughs> oh we are going to talk now about some remarkable plumage, okay? Okay. And we are not talking oh, yes. about your hair. <laughs> the 80s. Now, and, and that Fine. is not that is not a wig. Um, there are more hair products per square inch <laughs> in that photograph. Like if I walked by an open flame, my head would explode. But it's impressive. Oh, you're going to love this next film. No, now. we're going to talk about a bird that's one of Mike Dillard's favorites. <laughs> If I have a hobby, I don't say to the BBC, can you film me doing it and then put it out on prime time? <laughs> this was just some bird watcher who's like, oh, I've got some birds here. I've never seen them. Oh, I've seen them in Europe, never in Britain. Oh, I've seen them in Britain now. <laughs> Bye. I mean, so boring. Was. This was an important film about the loss of habitat for the marsh, Ruff. I think you're doing it now. <laughs> Ruffs are finally spending summer at RSPB Brampton. I 
couldn't give a shit, mate. <laughs> I lost interest halfway through that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> there is a knee-jerk reaction I sometimes see is when they open these one-show films, I do have buzzing away in the back of my mind. I go, we're in the middle of fucking Brexit, mate. You know, oh, this, Now is not the time to be sort of going, you'll be really excited to hear that roughs are back at RSPB Brampton. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe we are. Maybe hey, that's yeah, what we look need. look at the cow. We've... I mean, oh, the, the big cow in the, the news today. Story. We need more stuff like that. Maybe <laughs> Uh, I can't even say the sentence. I, uh, <laughs> you, you've <laughs> actually nodded off. Just the big cow story, they didn't touch this no, week, as far as sad. I know. I didn't see Thursdays. But it's ripe for a film for next week, that, isn't it? The big old cow. That's one-show territory. Yeah. I, I'm going to do a little bit of one-show predicting, and it won't be out for a couple of weeks. But they'll be going, we all remember Nickers the cow from Australia, the world's biggest cow. But... Britain isn't too shabby when it comes to massive <laughs> moves. And it will be about someone going, well, is she a big cow? But I remember four years ago, we had one that was probably twice as big. And it will just be that. And it will just be that, you know. So it might not be knickers, but we're certainly not doing too bad here in Blight. You know? well, we've also got a very large goat. <laughs> What's the biggest a goat can get to? Probably about nine foot. <laughs> just be, it'll be this, won't it? Hi. I'm Joel Morris from the podcast Rule of Three. Every week, someone funny comes on to talk about something funny that they love. And this week, we've got Nish Kumar talking about the incredible Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Rule of Three. Get it where you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. When they came back off uh, the film, because obviously classic off-the-shelf, you know, yeah. shot a long time ago, we've got some time to fill. They were saying as well there were 180 types of bird at this bird sanctuary, and I just thought, that's too many. <laughs> <laughs> that, that can be cut by easily a half a normal notice. <laughs> I don't even remember that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Was this your zone-out moment? I really yeah. zoned out. By the time Brexit arrives, we'll be eating any bird we can find. Oh, I, I know where I'm so. going. RSPB Brampton. <laughs> There's 180 different <laughs> delicious <laughs> dishes. <laughs> Served up by Aunt Bessie. <laughs> Chewing on a piece of coal. 
uh, they went back to the studio and you you sensed that Rob Lowe was about to uh, knock their film in the same way he'd gone this show is weird yeah but Matt took it before he could because it was in the air and Matt took it and he just sort of said oh c- congratulations to the uh, the wildlife team there yeah uh, you know, in a sensitive sensitive voice he was really sort of like well done lads yeah. on, on doing your job that <laughs> 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 you're paid to do and then how did they get into the next bit more Rob Lowe well there's been a sighting Oh, God, that was so appalling. There's been a sighting of a rare low in Lincolnshire. lesser spotted. lesser spotted low. Um, It's Rob Lowe. We've obviously met him already in the show. (laughs) (laughs) Just to get from one thing to another. Oh, yeah, and that was when they wheeled on the the angry-looking policeman. There you go, with his little ribbon. I remember now what's going on. Because Rob Lowe has filmed a drama in Lincolnshire Mm. with one show occasional presenter, Angela Griffin. Yeah, she was on on Monday. uh, Which is, it appears to be the plot of Hot Fun. Yes. Is that right? It's called mm-hmm. Wild Bill, is it? That's something it? like that? Yeah. About an American brought into a little British... Called Boston. So it's got a little right. American nod. Boston in Lincolnshire. Got ya. And then they asked him... Uh, they got, you're right, the police commissioner of Lincolnshire in yeah. the studio. Who had death then, in his eyes. Yeah. And they asked, <laughs> they asked Rob Lowe if he'd ever had a brush with the law. And then he told all these anecdotes about all the times he'd escaped the law. Hello, videotape. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mention that, uh, but mostly speeding, I think. Yeah. Uh, and then Matt had to warn him and remind him that there was the, the man was a real policeman <laughs> and not to actually criminate himself. If that policeman had just stepped forward and said, "I am going to arrest you uh, as a result of this confession," on the television, <laughs> it would have got him out of playing the saxophone. Yeah. He wouldn't have had to do that Q and A thing he's got booked, which sounds awful. Um, he was really entertaining. I just, I just, I, I've never quite understood why you'd go to see someone like Rob Lowe at Q&A. Because it's not like he hasn't spent the last 30 years giving interviews. Yeah. If you're really keen to find out what he thinks about stuff, then the internet is really good for a load of old crap from years gone by. That's my tip. Yeah. <laughs> I'm worried for him, though. Will he just get the audience full of lots of people asking about the sex tape? I- I'm hoping John is going. And <laughs> <laughs> waving. He's, he's looking at the audience going, he's here again. I'm not really picking him. I'm not picking him. Uh, I, well, uh, Wednesdays, though, because uh, that was Tuesday. Rob Lowe was Tuesday, right? Mm-hmm. So Wednesdays was Hucknall, as we've started talking Nick about. Uh, yeah, and Kirsty Olsop was there. Ugh. But she was squeezed right into the end of the programme and they just didn't have enough time for her. Because they're off-the-shelf films that they've been... I mean, like I said, I thought Wednesdays was a cracking episode. They had the doorstepping of the man that we talked about. The, the non-doctor. Him. Yeah. Yeah, they had Jordan and his granddad as a whole set up and then pay off at the end with the motorbike sequence in the Winter Wonderland. They had a film which I thought was really moving, actually, about... Well, the, the way they got into that was Matt said that the, the one show likes nothing more than the challenge of tracking down lost loved ones. And, and then he said, we've become quite renowned for it. <laughs> I was like, that, have, have. Well, you? You might have become... That's not what you're renowned for, man. <laughs> no. And you may have become renowned for it in the offices of copyright lawyers from, for example, programmes like Long Lost Family <laughs> and Surprise, Surprise. <laughs> but there was a really good film about a man who was in a Lancaster bomber in 1944 on an air raid and the plane had been shot down and he was one of two survivors and everyone else had died including the captain uh, who was a man called and I wrote this down he was called Jim Tosh right but they got his granddaughter to come and visit 90 odd year old fly man Mm -hmm. um and he'd been writing his memoir to be for himself 
Gotcha. And all he wanted, really, was to have that story remembered. And they got granddaughter of, of his sort of his captain to come and meet him. And it was quite mo- really moving yeah. in his garden. And in the end, what they did, which was really nice, and he's, all he wanted was this story to be at... There's a, there's a Bomber Command Museum in Lincoln. And he was too old to travel to it. So oh, yeah. they got the granddaughter there on Skype showing him where she was and a plaque they put up to him and his squadron but the the, the crowning glory was they duped this old man for weeks leading up to it <laughs> <laughs> because Jim Tosh was still alive no <laughs> he parachuted out of a plane it was brilliant. no and they, they duped the old man by having someone come and interview him that they'd said was from a newspaper. So they said a Hague. <laughs> done, for, done for war crimes. And now he's in prison. <laughs> Very moving. And the guy wasn't, he was a publisher. And he'd been working on this guy's memoirs that he just sort of, they, the one show had slipped to him. And he turned them into a proper book, which was now, you can now buy it. And the look on this old guy's face, it was like the bloke from the Werther Originals advert. Oh, when his little it. grandson yeah. sits on his knee. It was really moving. And they came out of that, and I agreed with them. I think they said, that's one of the best films we've ever made. And I went, yeah, actually, that was. Yeah. It was a really well put together, moving Some bit of one strong film. films. I, we did notice a while back that we felt there'd been a little bit of a change in production and the way the show was working. They'd got rid of a lot of the clunky sort of baggage of the show. They'd got rid of a load of bad, grown-some puns and things. Yeah. And this would sort of fit in with, this could be the first raft of films that have been commissioned well, under a new regime. You say that. Mm. Because after that film, I went, yeah, that was really good. And this has been the great episode of The One Show for me. Mm. I've not fast-forwarded it. Mm. Everything's been interesting. It's been fast-moving. And then... Uh, oh no before then then there was the exp- the social experiment on three identical triplets that was really interesting wasn't it though yeah that was great so it was these three identical twip triplets <laughs> yeah. I see you've learned a lot from it right well done <laughs> what I learned from the one show and they they only discovered each other when they were 19 they didn't know anything about each other uh-huh and they'd all been adopted, obviously. And then it turned out that it was some kind of horrible experiment where they, this scientist was trying to do a natural nurture thing and had basically not told any of the people who'd adopted them that they were triplets and then just sort of went around monitoring it. How <laughs> creepy and, and they got It was really bleak. But there's a film, they've made a film about Apparently it. Apparently the film's really called good. Called Three Identical Strangers. Yeah. Right. And so oh, they yeah. got the two blokes who were now in their... 50s? 50s, 60s, something like that. Yeah. Uh, two of them were in the studio talking about it but it was it was a really interesting story yeah. well, of course it's making you know oscar buzz around this documentary yeah and it was yeah fascinating this but they they wouldn't they weren't very keen to tell the story were they because they didn't want any spoilers no and then she just spoiled it anyway didn't yeah. she yeah she went alex just streamed straight through she yeah. Went, yeah and uh, this is what happened isn't it yeah and they were sort of going no don't say <laughs> um, but that, up to that point brilliant program because that yeah. was interesting as well but then then they went now a film about why it's wrong to feed bread to swans oh god <laughs> Oh, God, this was so boring. <laughs> but it turned out it isn't wrong to feed bread to swans. Feeding them bread yes. and solely bread yes. can't be that good for no, them. No, no, no. Um, and I'm all for everyone doing as much as they can. Swan pellets, uh, lettuce, greens. <laughs> but I think the, the issue is most of these swans are, are really underweight and they need to bulk up because a lot of them won't survive the winter. And what a sad place our rivers would be without these birds. I think one of the keys probably is feeding them at the time of year that they really need it, this sort of time of year, rather than the spring when there are little cygnets and ducklings and all sorts that are growing. They need a balanced diet for good, balanced 
development and there's a lot of food around then as well. So feeding is better than not feeding in the first place, but just just go down and enjoy them. The RSPB, them again, mm. obviously they've got a big RSPB film yeah. on the load of shelves. RSPB have obviously got their media budget come through for the year. <laughs> <laughs> and we've been told not to feed white bread to fowl. Yeah, okay. angel wing is what it gives them, apparently. Is it? Yeah, which is a syndrome where their wings sort of stick out at funny angles. Oh, it's Catherine Jenkins doing a song that. about it. <laughs> <laughs> Jealous of the angel wing. <laughs> Swan with a tattoo on it. <laughs> they can break your arm. They're thugs. <laughs> I, sh- I know we shouldn't self-review, but as callbacks go, that was excellent. Thank you, mate. I thought it was really good. It was so detailed. Well done. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they but we we learned that that's bad, been bad advice because in the winter you can give them white bread because they'd all. So know. it was a film. I, <laughs> it was a film about how swans are too thin in the winter. And then there was it was really funny. They wheeled this girl. Do you remember this girl who was like feeding? And they were like, "So tell us, how long have you been feeding the swans?" And she was like, "Well, I just started this week." And <laughs> it was. <laughs> they were like, "You just found her for the film. <laughs> can you feed some swans? We can't find but anyone." <laughs> holding seven loaves of bread in her hands in the plastic <laughs> you can, if you give all that to a swan it's gonna burst of yeast i see there's a woman in, in the archway near where i live and she'll often pour out stuff for the birds when i'm sort of getting onto the tune yeah. and she doesn't like pour out like a loaf that's all done up she'll do it and it's a mound on the floor and it comes up to it like halfway up her shins and the pigeons all go fucking crazy obviously i sort of do think that is a lot of bread that's a big investment yeah over the course of a year, that's probably just under a grand's worth of bread. <laughs> she doesn't look well off either. I mean, she's spending too much on the bread. <laughs> if we fatten them up, we could freeze them in that warehouse. <laughs> if they get angel wing, you can catch them easier. <laughs> um, but what was interesting about this film, and I mean, it wasn't interesting, <laughs> was when it came back to the studio, nobody mentioned it. <laughs> There was no back ammo, nothing. I mean, not a jot of it. They just didn't even try. Imagine that's your first one show film you've made. So going on, they're going to go back and they're going to do something about, you know, well, oh, you know, it's good to get in the stuffing before Christmas. Nothing. Nothing. Well, that's, uh, let's carry on. Alex and Matt standing up just doing Chris homemade Christmas decorations because oh. that they wanted you to send those in as well that was really embarrassing I think I mean I know I've said embarrassing quite a lot but because I thought what's happened to her career that she's making Christmas decorations Kirsty Allsop yeah, yeah. I thought is, she's is, having a breakdown <laughs> is Kirsty Allsop someone that we all like yeah Oh, don't we? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. Oh, I don't she's, have she's anything got, against but her. She's got weird, some weird views, doesn't she? Yeah, she well, she's she's quite a high Tory, isn't she? But she always reminds me of someone who, if she had a sort of weirder hairdo, she'd be like one of the people in the Hunger Games who is sitting there going, it's an honour to represent your district. I find her quite sinister, I've got to admit. Well, yeah, in The Handmaid's Tale, you get to the, the impression that she'd rise to the top, mm. do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, mm. well, everything was handmade in this. Hey, Thank yeah. you. Nice. Oh, I'm yeah, fine. So, yeah. you're wasted on this podcast. <laughs> it's all I've got. <laughs> Not even joking. The, the 44 people who, who like this, this podcast will be having such a time today. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they, but there wasn't enough time for her. Maybe they don't like her view either but they really squeezed you know you didn't need the swan film you could have spent more time on the christmas decorations and they were really rushing through there was a shambolic sequence where she'd made 
a tiramisu yeah out of very uh, tall out dessert. of swans <laughs> <laughs> what what is the cake what's the cake the Christmas panettone 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 yeah. so she made a, got a year old panettone <laughs> put it in a bowl and then put the ingredients of a tiramisu around it and then they'd all tried to taste it but there wasn't any cutlery so there was a really shambolic bit where they looked for some cutlery it's like a panettone tiramisu kind of trifle yes yes exactly it, it's all the best things about trifle tiramisu and panettone yeah, do That's we a nice have a spoon there. do you do yes. that with a bit of card I did with, that was me that was yeah. me at the very last minute when we were filming I, I got I took down one of the Christmas decorations off the set and I yeah. put it on top and I sprinkled That's the chocolate and easy. Did it off. sorry what are you after well, well a spoon to taste it Ooh, um, a, I don't know if we've got anything under the table I'll dig around down here you right, okay oh there we are and there was a star on top of the pudding mm. the, the decorative star which looked like it'd be done in cream or whatever and she just admitted that it was a bit of cardboard she got from a decoration in the studio <laughs> and placed hell. on top of the tiramisu to look festive <laughs> yeah, it was a shambles there were, um, uh, the fucking bird films this week have been terrible <laughs> awful I mean how can they be good how can they be good the good one would be if they sort of go that we found a bird that can speak, and it's and it's you will not believe what it has to say. But when they're just going, there's a bird over there. This bird can eat bread. You know, I mean, well, uh, I see your bird film boring, and I raise you cycle lanes. I was about to bring up the cycle. Please one. do. It was so dull. I, I, I'm, I, that's all I have to say about it. That's all there was to say about sort it. Sort of hidden cycle lanes. Three hundred in this country. This thing they rushed through Kirsty Allsop's cutlery cardboard star which sequence. we all needed more of yeah <laughs> to get in another film off the shelf christ which was about so the intro to it was and i did write it down and you could obviously tell in matt's ear the gallery are going look you've got to get through this we've got to go to winter wonderland live mm. where jordan and his granddad are about to sing to sing us out of the program we've got to fit the film in shut kirsty up and get to the film and he just sort of said um uh, they had a pointless tease, so they'd arrived at Winter Wonderland. So he said, "So, oh, Kirsty, sorry, Kirsty, we're just hearing that uh, Jordan and Grandad have arrived at Winter Wonderland." And you cut to them at Winter Wonderland for about six seconds, and then they cut back to you and he went, "Well, we'll catch up with them." Uh, Crazy at the end of the show. Um, now, uh, Alan Alex Riley has been uncovering a three hundred mile long secret that could be running through a town near you. It's <laughs> a film about cycle lanes that are three hundred years old that got built over, but in Manchester? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's one that's still there that you can go on. Fucking hell. And there was the presenter guy was sort of wobbling on his bike, wasn't he, as he was talking to people. Because they were, they were cycling too slowly. Yeah. So the cameraman, right, it was one of shots where the cameraman, they wanted them cycling along the cycle path, right? The cameraman is clearly on foot. In fr- They could have used the rickshaw. <laughs> He's on foot in front of them. You know, we've all seen it, uh, certainly, if, even if you don't work in TV, or have never have, right, you've seen the shots where a cameraman is trying to film someone walking backwards. There's someone behind him with their hand on the shoulder to direct where he's going, cable bashing, to so he doesn't yeah. pull over his own cables and all that stuff. So that's clearly going on. But the speed they can only walk backwards is, to film them, they are cycling in front of them. So they have to cycle at walking speed. But that's too slow to cycle. So they're wobbling, nearly falling off. 
and wobbling all over the place. Yeah. It was hopeless and dull. And the man, he couldn't even concentrate on what he was asking because he was so worried about falling off. Uh, then it was just time for Winter Wonderland. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I'm going to say this, John. I'm going to lay my cards to the table. I think this is the, the best week of the one show I've ever watched. Did you watch? Did you say you didn't watch the Wednesday one, though? No, I started it. You didn't see I, creepy I, Mike Cucknell. He's so creepy. <laughs> and then know, we've I, already gone into it a little bit. I'll go I into it more. more. You, can't, <laughs> you can't... There's no level to, of creepiness just, that Cucknell well, can't be discussed. I know you shouldn't pick on someone's appearance, but he looks like a kind of little gremlin man who's like lived yeah. under a bridge and then is sort of... <laughs> come up you know a bit like the penguin did in yes. Batman 2 and tried to sort of make a respectable life for himself yeah. in normal society like when they find E.T. when he's in the <laughs> yeah, gully and he's got, and he's got all <laughs> funny and, but he's got a ruby in his teeth <laughs> and some of Marty McCutcheon's sick in his hair but, well Hucknall looked I mean he looked weird enough on the sofa and he, yeah. you're right he always looks weird but then they showed clips of Hucknall yeah. in his new in front of a symphony orchestra singing his own songs and mm. some Frank Sartre's. But Hucknall in a black tie, in a, in like black, proper big old dicky bow, just looks plain evil. <laughs> he yeah. does, he looks like a warlock. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a really, I mean, you're right, we shouldn't pick on a man's appearance, but let's. It's, it's Mick <laughs> Hucknall, people sort of have, have, there's a weird consensus that the British people have done where they go, we don't just pick on people for how they look, apart from <laughs> Mick Hucknall. Uh, it's an accepted thing. It used to be Andrew Lloyd Webber in the Spitting Image days. Yes. And yeah. it's, it's Hucknall now. It, he's sort of, you know when they say, oh, people have grown into their face. He's grown out of his own face. <laughs> Really it looks like has. he's been made out of plasticine. Yeah. But yeah. with his little white beard. Yeah, it's like some blue... T- you know when blue... You know he used to put a poster up with blue tack, yeah. right? Uh, but then you, the poster falls down, but there's still some blue tack stuck to the wall that's kind of dried a bit. <laughs> and you have to roll it between your hands to get it back to its yeah. usable. That. <laughs> oh, like if, Dave, if, if Richard Attenborough, Dickie Attenborough, had had a twin brother who was deformed that they'd had to leave in an attic, <laughs> like the Queen Mother used to do with her kids, that they put him up in an attic. And they found him after 60 years and he's come out. Oh, <laughs> and all he's had to listen to is an album by Simply Red. <laughs> and not one of the good early ones. <laughs> Stars from 92. Oh, right. Any other business before we bring this to its natural conclusion? Um, no, I thought this was a good episode. I thought it was a good episode. I, I, I've noticed again, they are taking out the really, really obtrusive handbrake turns. Um, and there's less stuff in there that was embarrassing that I really used to enjoy. Yeah. So, <laughs> bring it Sad. back. Is what yeah. you're saying. I was like, as my, the first, this week's the first time I've watched the one show. Mm. And I was quite obsessed with Matt Baker because although he's quite drippy, there's a sort of underlying violence to him, isn't there? Yeah. I think that he could snap. He's, he's sort of running a tight ship. He's also comes from a farm. He's a farmer by trade, and farmers are notorious for snapping. (laughs) (laughs) It's what they do. They farm, they farm, they farm. Everyone says they keep to themselves. They're very quiet. They've got shotguns. They go round through the town. (laughs) That's what they do. That's Matt's bloodline. (laughs) That's Matt's destiny. And Matt. (laughs) One day he'll turn up to the one show, and my God, what an episode that's going to (laughs) be. Do you think they'll intersperse it with documentaries about duck? 
<laughs> Wouldn't it be good to watch him, you know, shooting one of the guests and then just out of habit turning and going, well, uh, now he's dead. Uh, let's see something else that's dead exciting. <laughs> Michael Joseph has been to Blackpool Pleasure Beach. <laughs> turning the camera on someone else. <laughs> oh, well, there we go. If you've a moment to review and comment, then please do. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Rosie. Cheers, John. Thank you. Uh, whatever you do, remember this. I'm going to do this in the ASMR from oh. the beginning of yesterday's. Hang on, let me let me just get my trousers down. Okay, this is the uh, the, the, the arousing whispering that's fashionable. Oh, no. I'm, going to, I'm going to take the muff off the mic. Remember this, and remember it well. When you look at the television to look at the one show, the one show also looks back into you. Goodbye. <laughs> When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.